Touchdown, Michigan! Touchdown, Michigan! Touchdown, Michigan! Touchdown, Michigan! Welcome to episode 46 of the Victors, the Michigan Sports Podcast. We are affiliated with Between the Whistles Detroit, AJC Sports Network exclusive. I'm your host, Chad Mzigian, joined by my co-host as always, Mr. Jordan Dean. Sir, we are just under 24 hours away from Michigan kicking off their season. How are you feeling? <laughs> I'm still kind of in shock. Like, it's here again, Chad. Like, we we, we got through the, the sadness of no football on TV for the whole winter freaking spring and all of a sudden, here we are on a Michigan freaking Saturday, uh, the day before a game. So, crazy, bro. Feels so good. Feels so good. It does. Exclusively on NBC Peacock, by the way, if you got to get your free right. trial right. Uh, going. I do believe yeah. it's the only Michigan game that's exclusively uh, streamed this season. Um, yeah. I know, I think each Big Ten teams, or close to each well, Big Ten teams, rotate. I won't need no so. streaming of Peacock. I'll be there. So, uh, we're, we're, obviously, in live in action. Hey, and that'll <laughs> be fun to be in attendance for sure. But uh, obviously this season, the goals are high. Uh, Michigan is going to be looking uh, to get to that 2023 National Championship game. And of course, once you get there, your goal is to win it, obviously. Um, You know, what's quick thoughts on, do you think that's a pretty attainable goal this year? I think uh, I'm going to know your answer there. But also, I mean, I think we both talked about it or touched on it in the past, but this is probably their last year for the next couple of years to really be a national title, national title contender team. Um, obviously, we're going to a 12-team playoff format next year, so I'm not going to say Michigan's playoff hopes get any worse. I do think they are capable of definitely getting in with 12 teams uh, that's going to be involved, but for actually into that national championship, I feel like this year is really, really the year to do it if they're going to do it in the next few. Oh, I, I, t- I totally agree with you, Chad. I mean, the, the, we returned so much production offensively and defensively. We got a top five quarterback in the country. We got the best running back combination in the country, top offensive line. Our defensive line is going to be better this year. I mean, every, every, everywhere we are improved. Um, so to me, we, we have a lot of veterans. We have a lot of dudes that have been in this program a long time and have really built this thing. And I think anything short of a national championship, um, goal is would be cutting themselves short yeah and it would be a bummer for sure um i mean i I would say most people expect especially michigan fans expect to be back in the playoffs but uh you know we kind of talked about on the last episode it's not going to be an easy road uh obviously michigan went undefeated last year until their playoff loss to tcu uh the year prior they only had one loss before their loss to georgia in the playoffs um, it's it's not going to be easy because repeating those kind of things and only having, let's say, one loss in the last two regular seasons, um, to to do that a third time in a row to only go with one or you know loss or hopefully undefeated, that's a tall task to keep doing that over and over again. Not that Michigan's not capable of doing it, but um, eventually, you know, at, you know, at some point you expect to lose a game, right? It's a, it's an unsustainable uh, kind of projection. Oh, I, I totally agree. I mean, even the I think was that one high school out in California that won like nine, like had like 18 seasons in a row of being undefeated or whatever. But like, it it is so hard to year in and year out, especially with turnover in college football, you know, and recruiting classes and coaching changes and whatnot to continue to uh, keep that production. And we're, we're fortunate that uh, I think this is, we have a year two defensive coordinator, year year two offensive coordinator. So we have, we have some stability, uh, but on on the flip side of that, we have a lot of teams in the Big Ten that are also on year two of of their of their tenure. You know, Manny Diaz back at Penn State is DC. So there's a lot, a lot more. It's gonna get. It's gonna be probably the, in my opinion, the most challenging season uh, that Michigan will have uh, as they try to threepeat. You know, the defending the title and making a name for themselves in the college football playoff. No doubt there will be no shortage of having to earn their way uh, back to the playoff this year uh, through Big Ten Conference play, uh, no doubt. Um, so let's kind of jump right into it. Obviously, uh, we have a game against EC, uh, Eastern Carolina University um, coming up tomorrow. Uh, let's quickly break down just what we expect for the season, um, really on both sides of the ball. And we can start with the offense. Um, the, the bonus is they were a good offense last year. Uh, definitely left some things on the field that we thought they could improve on, but overall got the job done, obviously going on the feed in the regular season. Um, you know, and they return a lot of those players. They lost a couple offensive linemen to the uh, NFL draft, but outside of that, really, a lot of returners. And 
not only that, but they're high-level replacements. Um, the two that stand out and are expected to kind of start, Drake Nugent, grad transfer from Stanford, expected to start at center uh, for the Wolverines, uh, replacing, obviously, one of the best centers in the nation last year, Alu Uramadi. I hate saying his name. I think I've gotten better at it, though. Um, also replacing, uh, or also new to the offensive line, will be uh, Miles Hinton, uh, expected to start at um, right tackle. He is also a grad transfer uh, from Stanford, so two teammates from Stanford coming over uh, to pair up on the Michigan offensive line. Obviously, Michigan has not released a depth chart yet, um, so this is just the projected stuff. Obviously, they have Ladarius Henderson, too, the uh, grad transfer from Arizona State. Uh, from uh, he can play guard or tackle, so we'll see if he gets uh, you know a couple uh, chances to play early on this in the season. But um, those are really the three main pieces uh, going that we'll see some time. AJ Barner also uh, probably going to be tight end two in this offense, transferred over from Indiana. He's a big boy, could be a nice uh, red zone weapon. But outside of that, we're looking at mainly the same offense as we had last year. Um, you know what 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 kind of uh, what do you kind of expect from this this group uh, this year? Well, first and foremost, I think the depth that we have in the offensive line is um, top tier in college football. I believe not only do the starting five that we have, but the, the, the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth linemen on our roster are starters across the country too. So, you know, worst case scenario, someone goes down, we're plug and play and we're okay and we're going to keep that same productivity. I won't be surprised too, Chad. We know the Jim Harbaugh way. We'll probably see some extra linemen sets just because of how dominant this group has been. Uh, just to, you know, get, get you know third and shorts, whatever it is, close out games, or just to mix it into the game plan. Um, but this this offense at large, you, you return your all your production in the backfield from Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum. I, everyone's saying Blake Corum is back, back and more improved than he was last year before he got hurt, bigger, stronger, faster. Um, our tight end room is extreme. It has so much depth with Colson Loveland, AJ Barner, as you mentioned, and we have a couple other guys too that are going to get some significant playing time. Um, my 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 thing for this team always has been our receiving core. Um, I think you know having CJ come back, you know, for his fifth season is going to help us. You know, study target. Uh, we need to see what Roman Wilson can if he can be a true down in and down out target for now us. Number one. Um, Roman Wilson. Yeah, not right. Not number fourteen. Number one. We to me, we still got a the biggest question mark on our offense. To me, is who's going to play opposite of Cornelius and who's going to make a name for themselves. Um, so uh, whether that's going to be Darius Clemens, you know, guys like that, to see if it, who that target will be. Because I do think we need to find a another true outside receiver. Because Roman Wilson, as much as I love the guy, he's little. You know, he's a speedster. He's the guy in the slot. He's going to make those plays, but he can't be our a number one outside receiver, in my opinion. Yeah, you'd have to think Darius Clemens is going to get that first shot. Obviously a talented uh, player uh, going into his sophomore season. Uh, we'll see what he's able to do, but I'd expect him to get that first shot. Um, but if not, there's depth behind them, and guys will guys will get their chances um, if they can't figure it out here early on. Um, but I think you know one thing I want to look at or talk about here a little bit is one thing I really thought they could improve on last year was getting Coram and Edwards on the field at the same time. Uh, you know, they did it occasionally, but I thought they could do it more in my opinion. Cause you know, Coram and Edwards can both catch out of the backfield. They can both run between the tackles. Obviously Coram's a little bit better at running between the tackles. Edwards a little bit better of a receiver. Um, but putting those two on the field, obviously with a dual threat quarterback and JJ McCarthy, I just think would be hell for defenses. Um, trying to match up and figure out what Michigan's going to do. Um, I, I really would like to see a lot of sets of, you know, Johnson, Wilson out wide or, you know, at receiver, you know, Loveland obviously in the tight end, and then you have your two running backs on the field. Um, your thoughts on getting, getting more looks like that, making the offense a little more creative from that standpoint? Well, I mean, I think that's a huge part of it too is, is, is the creativity that we have and kind of seeing what this, you know, what they want to do with that. I, I, I do think when you have literally – you know, two very similar skill sets, but also very different body types in Quorum and Edwards to not have to, to not have them on the field at the same time would not make sense to me. Uh, even if it doesn't necessarily like you to your point, doesn't mean they both need to be in the backfield with a two back set, but right. have Donovan a lot, have Blake on the field at running back, um, you know, just to, to 
try to mismatch Donovan on a linebacker or safety, something like that. Because Donovan really is, you know, yes, he has a running back tag, but he is a, a true wide receiver as well. He's probably got one of the best hands on our team. Um, so I, I, especially with our, I won't say lack of depth in the slot, but more unprovenness in the slot outside of Roman Wilson, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Donovan more on the field uh, in the, in those scenarios as well. Yeah, and you can definitely make the argument your two running backs are your two best players on offense outside of, you know, McCarthy and the offensive line. But looking at skilled guys, um, Edwards and uh, Coram are probably going to do the most damage for you throughout the season. Obviously, we know Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson are very capable receivers. Uh, Loveland did a very good job as a, a threat at, out of the tight end position last year. Um, but we all know who the two stars are on the offense, um, and it's it's our two running backs. And you know, quite frankly, they could be the best duo in the nation. Um, and, you know, that's something they're probably going to be out to prove. Obviously, both have huge, lofty expectations going into the season. And uh, both are going to be looking for a future in the NFL. So, you know, they're going to want to put their best uh, tape and game on the field, per se. Oh, 100%. Well, let's get to the quarterback here. Obviously, uh, J.J., a solid year last year. A um, couple things that he's that we kind of didn't see coming, I guess, were a little bit less running than we anticipated, um, you know, whether it was drawn up or whether, you know, just running because coverage broke down or, um, you know, the the pocket kind of collapsed or broke down and he had to get out of there. Um, and honestly, we had some episodes or games, you know, we reviewed that we're like, man, he just holds on to the ball too long. Like, he's got to know, like, hey, use your legs, like, get out of there when... Uh, you know, your internal clock's got to be a little better, right? Uh, where the situation. Um, and the other thing was his deep ball accuracy. Got better towards the end of the year. Definitely hit on it a couple times in the Ohio State game. But, man, we were uh, arms up in the air at times with how much deep passes were missed, you know, early into the middle of last season. So two things that definitely we're hoping are improved. They sound like they're improved from camp. Obviously, um you know, you gotta take it with a grain of salt. As it is camp, we gotta see it actually produce on the field in these games, because um, it wasn't an issue coming out of camp really last year either. Um, but you know, with the stat line he had last year in 2022, he threw for 2,719 yards, 22 touchdowns, only five interceptions, a nice uh, completion rate of 64.6%. Um, also had 70 rushes for 306 yards and five touchdowns. Do you think this potential Heisman candidate has? he's able to improve on those stats across the board around the same. What are you kind of thinking for JJ this season? Well, I think uh, JJ has to improve if we want to become national champions. Um, I, I think uh, to your point, we need to see his, his internal clock be a little bit more improved to be okay. uh, Taking off and using his legs on no third and eight to get the first down, trying to force a tight window throw, you know, his, his natural, he likes to extend plays, you know, move outside the pocket. That's fine, but at some point, you got to take off and go. He, he did. He had moments. They did that last year. Um, we are going to have to be better at the deep ball consistently. Um, we can't. We can't wait till Ohio State to unleash that. Um, as much as that was great to get it done in that game for us to help win that game, um, for us to be a true balance powerhouse offense, that's got to be part of our arsenal from top to bottom. I will say, Chad, the thing that I don't know what to expect with JJ this year, or just our offense in general. Um, is if JJ will have more runs this year, uh, because there's a lot of speculation um, that Alex Orgy is going to have some packages like JJ did when Cade was the quarterback. Not a um, fan so of they, it, but I've heard the same thing. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know how much of the run game will. I, mean, I, I still think we're going to have design plays for JJ, but it may be less just to keep him healthy or whatever you want to call it, so he doesn't get banged up in the run game as much. Um, so to be determined on that. I know you're not a fan of, of the dual quarterback system as much as I am. I'm not either when it comes to true dual, you know, dual system. But I don't know if you've seen Alex Orgy. That dude's a freak, man. And it's hard to keep him off the sideline because I think he's also our future as well. Um, after, uh, you know, JJ's done it to be between him and Jaden Davis. Don't get me wrong, but um, there's like even rumors that Alex Orgy might be a kick returner. Like that, that's the type of freak that he is. <laughs> Right. And I, I've heard the same thing. And, you know, I, I'm not against him getting in there, uh, whether it's a quarterback or just use as like, Hey, going at running back and you and JJ are going to run read option, like whatever, like mm-hmm. come up with something. But my biggest thing is, is honestly that two quarterback system or packages like we had with McCarthy two, two years ago, that's what lost us the Michigan state game. Like I'm 
the quarterback position to me is such a position of rhythm that you got to let a guy get going. And I just, I didn't like, and we all knew McCarthy was the future. We all knew that McCarthy was probably going to take, you know, McNamara's job going into the 2022 season. You know, that's why they were playing him in 2021 because McCarthy was the promise. But I just, maybe it was the way Harbaugh did it. it wasn't the best like plan of attack, but I just felt like at, there was a lot of times where I'm like, man, it just, I don't know if it really makes sense to just bring JJ in right here. And then all of a sudden like, Oh man, it didn't work. Now JJ's or uh, McNamara had to go in on third and twelve and try and get a first down. You know, times he did, times right. he didn't. But that's what I'm looking to avoid. Not saying it can't work. I'm sure Alex Orgy is going to get a ton of time at quarterback in these first few games, um, given the opponents we're playing. Like I, I, I'd expect the starters to play probably the first half, and then you know maybe the first series of the third quarter, and then you know. We, you know, hypothetically looking at the teams we're playing on paper and then our team, you know, Michigan should be well ahead by that point in the game, really third quarter. For sure. Got to play the games, obviously. It'd be pretty shocking if they weren't. So. I I, I don't, I I will say I think a little bit of the difference between JJ and Kate's situation was, you know, I, I, they did try more of the dual threat aspect of, you know, it would be JJ on first down, second down. Then, like you said, they put Kate on third and say, go get the first down. What I, anticipate personally is more red zone goal line stuff. That's what I think. I think they're going to put Alex on the five yard line. We're on quarterback sweep, quarterback power, read options. Like they used to do with T-Bone those. Florida. Yeah, kind of, exactly. I think, so I think that could be more of the package deal. Uh, and, you know, JJ will run the offense outside that, or they, you know, how they go, things go. JJ may not come out of the game, but I, that, if Alex is going to play, I think that's where it's going to be. Yeah, and it sounds like, like like you kind of said earlier, it sounds like they plan to use Alex in a couple different ways, so it might not yeah. just be the quarterback position. I mean, he's a redshirt freshman, so you know he's going to have his chances here You know, past life after McCarthy. Um, but I, I do agree. I could see that scenario, especially early in the season, um, You know, trying to keep McCarthy fresh and healthy. You know, let's put uh, Orgy in. Uh, you know, in, in the uh, around the goal line and things like that, or third third and shorts and stuff, and just like let him use his athleticism, his body. Hey, go get that first down, sort of thing. So, not against it all, all that much in that perspective. I just like I said, I want to avoid what we kind of saw under McCarthy, uh, McCarthy and McNamara. And like you said, it is a little bit of a different situation given the two players compared to you know the last situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, six, six, to me, six, just don't take away from McCarthy's pounds. rhythm, and I'm good with yeah, it. Yeah. 6'3", 236 pounds, and uh, runs a 4'5". That's tough to stop near the goal line. <laughs> oh, no doubt, no doubt. And like like I kind of referenced, it, it worked with Tiva at Florida, you know, 10 or 15 years ago now, whatever it was. So um, you can see it happen and again. I'm so old, Chad. I know, I know. It, it is crazy to think about, like, man, I was watching that Swamp, Swamp Kings documentary on Netflix about the, that Florida team, like, you know, at the yep. time Tiva was yep. there pretty much, and like man, I didn't realize he was like a freshman in two thousand five or six, whatever it was. I'm just like, man, dude, <laughs> like it didn't feel that long ago. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. uh, so kind of ramp up offense. Just a couple names you could throw out. You know, do you have an offensive sleeper this year to look out for? Um, you know, it can kind of be the same answer as a new face to watch. You know, obviously that's a little bit harder of a question with the offense with so many guys returning. Um, and then who would be like your offensive MVP? Um, so the, I, I, it's really tough to say if this is going to be a sleeper because the hype is real around this kid. And I, I do think he could potentially be in the last decade, at least the best tight end to come through our program. That's Colston Loveland. Um, I think he is the real deal. He has it all. He's so versatile, extremely fast, great route runner, blocks extremely well. Um, he fits literally every check box of what a tight end looks like. Um, so I think he's going to be, I guess, our quote-unquote sleeper. For me, at least, I think he's going to have probably minimal 8 to 10 touchdowns, maybe 750, 750 yards receiving, something like that, somewhere in there. Because we know we're a run-first program, but I think he's going to get his touches. Outside of him, my MVP, I mean, it's tough not to. I'm going to go with Blake Corum. Um, I think he's got, a, he's got a chip on his shoulder going down early in the season. Um I think he not really early in the season, but late didn't didn't get the when the games look, matter. When the games mattered, so I think he's gonna unleash himself and uh showcase that he should be a first round draft pick next season and uh that he, he wants a national championship. Yeah. No, hard to disagree with both of those. I do think um 
Loveland is prime for a big season, especially given the question at receiver. I, th- I think it's safe to say, especially last year, we learned, uh, you know, Loveland was kind of that outlet, you know, outside of Bell, um, who is obviously gone now to the NFL. Um, Loveland kind of be the se- seemed to be that security blanket for him at times. Um, so I would expect that to continue this year. Um, my sleeper slash new face to watch is going to be Darius Clemens. I do think uh, that kid is primed to kind of break out 6'3", uh, 212 pounds, good speed. Um, I think he could be that, I don't want to say X-factor at receiver because I do think Wilson and Johnson are good. Um, but like you said, we got to f- establish who's going to play outside uh, receiver on the other side of Johnson. I do think Darius Clemens can come in and be that receiver on the other side, get you know demand targets from McCarthy, um, and give us options on both sides of the ball at that receiver position. While he does, get, he, he, he does give me Nico Collins vibes, just that big body, go yeah. up and get it. And we love Nico dude, Collins, so. arguably the best yeah. receiver we've had. You know, you know. Looking back to that point, I mean, Nico, yeah. Nico yeah. was good, right? Um, Absolutely. And then my offensive MVP, you know, I guess without staying the obvious in McCarthy, um, I'm going to go with uh, Donovan Edwards. I, I agree with you on Corm too. It's like 1A, 1B sort of thing. I just like you kind of, uh, you know, said earlier, I just think they're going to use Edwards all over the offense, whether, you know, he's going to get carries, obviously. He's going to catch out of the backfield. He's probably going to line up in the slot some, do some work there. Um, I just think all the ways you can use Donovan Edwards, it's going to take pressure off McCarthy. It's going to open up some more lanes for Corum. Um, and it might even take some pressure off the other receivers. But I think I, I think Edwards is that he can do it all kind of X-factor type player. And that's why I want to give, I, I think he is my MVP candidate. So I don't know. I don't know if you've seen him too, man. He, he looked bigger than he did last year too. He's He's got even stronger. So I imagine we're going to see a, uh, I, as, as we know, he wasn't as full healthy at the end of the year with his hand and stuff like that. So I think the, Mr. Edwards is going to have quite the year as well. I, I, I don't blame you for doing that. Yeah. And I'll tell you one thing at the running back position, just while we're on it. One guy I want to watch through these first couple games, because I think he's going to get some playing time, is freshman Benjamin Hall. I've heard a lot of good things about him coming out yes. of camp. It'll be yep. interesting to see if he works his way up to RB3 on the depth chart. Um, I know Mullins kind of is that guy right now. Um, yeah. Obviously... He's he got a lot of goal line carries after Coram got hurt, uh, kind of mixed in with Edwards. Um, obviously, Edwards was hurt too. Uh, so hopefully, both of our star running backs stay healthy. But Benjamin Hall, uh, someone I'm really want to keep an eye on uh, in these first couple games where he's probably gonna get some playing time. Five eleven, two hundred and thirty-four pounds, man. That is a that is a freight train, low center of gravity. The wrecking bro. ball so rolling down the road, dude. It, it, it sure it sure is. And I I mean I know you and I both watched the spring game and he flashed. Yeah. He flashed a little bit, so we'll we'll, we'll see what uh, what he brings to the table. It's very Don't possible. Don't disappoint really me could. like Stokes did last year. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. All right, flipping over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, kind of the opposite of offense. We lost some players, obviously, um, and Michigan is going to look to reload and get back to the similar defensive production. Um, I'd say the front seven's pretty new to a sense, not. New. I mean, the players replacing the guys that left have been on the roster, so it's not a bunch of grad tra- or transfers and stuff like that from the portal. Um, just new starters. Um, on the back end, I'd say you know your safety and corner position. You got a lot of the same starters as last year, and like Will Johnson, Rod Moore, um, Mike Sanistrill. Um, but up front, you got some new guys. So I guess I'll start with the you know question that's kind of been flowed around. Do you think Michigan's going to have one of the best second uh, secondaries in the nation this year? Because I, I feel like they could. I well, I agree with that. I I do think they can as well. Both our safeties are back. Will Johnson is locked down half the field, dude. I think he's one of the best corners to get recruited in our in our program for a very long time. I'm not going to put in. I'm not going to sit here and say he's he's the true number two like Charles Woodson or anything like that, but he has every skill set to be a perennial lockdown corner, and he showcased that last year. Um, my my only reservation at this point is just understand who's going to play opposite of Will. Um, we don't know. The depth chart hasn't been released, and and even if they play, play opposite of Will, how good can they be? 
Um, so I, I think that's the only thing that's going to keep me from saying be one of the top corners, you know, secondaries in the nation. I do think we got a great nickel and Sanders still. Um, so we'll, time will tell, but I do, I do think it's possible. Yeah, and I would agree with you. There's obviously one glaring question mark, and it might be the biggest question mark of all, on all the team, um, you know, defensive and offensively. Um, obviously, there's certain guys that are going to, you know, I'd imagine it's going to be quite the rotation here to start for the first couple weeks. Um, Josh Wallace, the transfer uh, from UMass. Uh, you got Jaden McBurrows, the redshirted sophomore. Obviously, Amorian Walker, uh, the converted from receiver to corner. Um, you know, we talked about that a little bit at camp. So there's there's quite a few guys that are going to be getting opportunities to get in there and make a case for why they should be the full-time starter uh, opposite of Will Johnson. Because Will Johnson, like you said, he's a stud. He's a shutdown corner, one of the best in the nation. Only a sophomore, which is amazing. Love it that we're going to have him at least one more year. Um, so they're going to throw the ball uh, the other way. Uh, opposite side a lot of times. So we got to find out who's going to step up, you know, welcome that challenge and uh, be productive for us on defense. And, you know, we don't even have to talk about the safeties. Anyone who's listened to us for the last year knows I love my boy Rod Moore. <laughs> Best free safety in the land. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, so the secondary, I think, is loaded, primed for a good year. Let's get your thoughts on the front seven. Um, just given, you know, definitely some new faces, guys like Mike Morris gone. Uh, defensive end we lost a couple other guys um there's one guy i'm really excited to see step in here as like a full-time guy um but i want to get get your thoughts on that front seven before we get into it oh uh, okay uh to me my man i am most excited about two individuals on this defensive line that i think down in and down out will showcase our ability to stop the run um, I loved Mozzie Smith. Don't get me wrong. I think he was phenomenal. He did a lot of great things for us, but he was one person. Um, I think we have now two dudes that are going to be able to do this consistently. Oh, we're on the same Mason. page. I love it. We're him. on Mason, Mason Graham and then another big boy, Mr. Kenneth Grant. Um, I think both these two interior defensive tackles are going to dominate the line of scrimmage and allow our linebackers just to make every tackle in the book. Yeah, no doubt. I uh, don't disagree. And you also got Chris Jenkins in there too, who's yep. a big boy. Um, yeah, he's a big boy, but he's he's been he's been playing more rush end, so he's gonna. Be it's true. They have been flowing him. Um, so yeah. it gives him some versatility too. Um, Absolutely. Obviously, you got Braden McGregor, who's gonna get an opportunity to be uh, starting yep. at one See end as well. Uh, you yep. got Jalen Harrell, the senior, uh, who's gonna get some time yeah, as Josiah well. Stewart. Um, yeah, Josiah Stewart, our transferring from Coastal Carolina, I believe it yep. was. Yes. Correct. And, uh, you know, I'm excited about him. I think he's a potential, you know, even if he's just a pass down specialist, kind of like, uh, Ojo, um, why can't I think of his name? Ojabo. Ojabo. Thank you. Um, <laughs> should never forget that call. Um, I think Josiah Stewart has a, has a good case that he could potentially lead this team in sacks this year. Um, I think he's an athletic freak at that edge spot. Obviously the junior Colson returns in the middle of the defense to kind of quarterback it. Excited for what he's going to do this year, um, but man, I think a lot this... of hype around Jalen Harrell too at defensive end too for us. Is yes, the senior side. I think it's it's we're not a no name defense, kind of like what we you know we, we branded ourselves to be. But uh, I think there's going to be a lot of different production players. I I don't think there's going to be like the Hutchinson you know dominate you know, right, Ajabo type not of guy. Stud. Exactly. In the front and to me, I'd rather have it that way because that means we're more versatile can hit you in different areas. So uh, right. I'm all about it. Yeah, and I agree. One thing we can talk about is last year, um, and I think you'll agree that we didn't get as many turnovers as we probably expected or would have liked. Do you think that changes this year uh, with the new faces on defense, as you put it, in the new group of guys? I mean, I think that's Jesse Minter's mo. I think he, I think he, he's talked about this offseason too that we did play a lot of great defense, top ten, you know, defense across the board. But that is something that he realized that we didn't get a ton of turnovers, you know. So I think we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, we're really fight and get that ball out in the run game, continue to pressure the quarterback, cause mistakes. Um, so I, I do think we'll see some uptick on that. And honestly, national championship defenses do that; they just do. Look at Georgia, you know, they, and for the last few years, that's, 
they don't just get stops, they cause turnovers. So I think if we really want to be at the top of the, the top of the food chain here, uh, we're going to have to not just get stops, but really flip field and cause turnovers for offense, get short field and uh, get some points. Yeah, and I agree. And with, you know, with that offense or uh, sorry, defensive backfield we have, you know, if the boys up front can get pressure like we expect they'll be able to, um, I, you know, they should be able to let those guys feast, especially Page and Moore in the back end. You know, playing center field at times at safety. Um, you know, Will Johnson will definitely have a few. Um, but yeah, I think that secondary is primed to have uh, guys that are good at attacking the ball and creating turnovers. You know, if we can get pressure on the quarterback, make them uncomfortable, uh, so on. So. Yeah, I, I will be interested to see who the I want the top tier pass rusher will be on this defense. Who's the guy that third and you know third and ten we can find it off the edge consistently? I think that's going to be a Harrell. Harrell or uh, Stewart would be my guess. Harrell, yeah, are, are the two guys that are coming to mind for me as well. So, but I, my eyes will be glued inside watching Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant wreak havoc for the first three downs. Agree. Um, so. Who would you call, kind of like we did with the offense, who would you call your sleeper or, you know, new face to watch? Um, and who would you call your defensive MVP for this year? Um, Man, that's a tough question. And I feel there's so many different spots on this defense that people can make come out of nowhere. Um, I'll say sleeper. Um, I'm going to say McGregor is my sleeper. I like um, it. I think he... He 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 he's got a chip on his shoulder. I think he's kind of just kind of been around for a few years, uh, but I think he will probably be one of our starting defensive ends. I think he's going to down in, down out, play pretty well. Um, I don't think he's going to be our MVP, but I think defensive MVP. Um, I know it's a flashy position, but I'm giving it to Will Johnson. I think uh, I think he's going to be he's going to make some plays that are going to win us football games, and I think you know. He's going to make, you know, it might be a pick against Ohio State to seal a victory. It could be a st- pick against Penn State, something like that. I think he'll be our MVP on defense. Yeah, hard to disagree with that. Um, for my new face to watch or, you know, kind of sleeper, I'm going to go with Josiah Stewart. I've been big on him since he committed to Michigan uh, through the transfer portal from Coastal Carolina. Um, kind of like I mentioned earlier, just a athletic freak, 6'1", 245, um, just a, Good athlete on the edge, and I think he's going so yeah, fast. very fast, and I think he's going to be able to get home a lot. And that you know that was one thing we kind of mentioned last year too throughout a lot of the season. You know, Michigan got its fair share of sacks, sure, but how many times did we feel like we were just a step too late to get to the quarterback? Right. Oh man, we need to be a little quicker on the edge. We know Morris wasn't quite the speed rusher like Hutch and Ojabo or things like that. So I'm really excited to see what guys like Harrell and Stewart can do uh, this season because I do think they're slightly more athletic than. Uh, you know, Mike Morris was and things like that. Um, so Josiah Stewart's kind of my name to watch on that front. Um, and I have to agree with you. It's hard not to give us the Will Johnson. Um, Rod Moore would kind of be my second one. But I think when you have a shutdown corner like you do in Will Johnson, you're taking away at least a third of the field on defense in terms of the receiver yep. on that side. And even though, you know, we talked about it, one of the biggest question marks for Michigan is the corner opposite of Johnson. Well, guess what we can do? When you can rely on Will Johnson that much, you're going to be able to kind of have your scheme oriented and things, little things in there that, okay, you know what? I know Johnson's going to do his job on this side 98% of the time. We can put a little more help on this side to help our new corner or, you know, whoever gets gets the job over there. Like, hey, even if they end up being good, they're not going to be Will Johnson, right? So we can shade, you know, maybe we shade the safety a couple more uh, steps over this way or, you know, uh, you know, things, things in that yeah. nature where, okay, Will Johnson can take care of this side of the defense. And I think having a player like that just helps you so much knowing that, okay, we only have to worry about 66% of the field. Cause this third it's, it's on lock, you know? Absolutely. I, I expect him to be our, our locked up man, no man, no help defense guy. So I think they're going to, Put him in the boundary, be him, be on their ex receiver, their the number one guy, and just say, take it away, and we'll play to the field. Yep, and I, it's it's tough because, and I, you know, I know the defense, like you said, it's a, it's a couple new faces, but I feel like I can make an MVP case for Johnson, Rod Moore, Sanistrill, and Grant uh, Mason Graham. So, like, there's yeah, there's definitely absolutely. some big names on that side of the ball, and they're all gonna play, you know, defense especially, football in general, but defense especially. 
11 guys got to do their job for the result to work, right? And, you know, I think, like you said, it's it's kind of more of a no-name defense, especially up front. There's going to be plenty of guys contributing and doing what they do best um, that's going to help this defense be hopefully one of the better ones in the country um, this year. So, Biggest question mark some Michigan fans have, what is life after Jake Moody? Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, you go from yeah, this. He's been around a long time. Yeah. yeah, like we've had him since 2002. I don't know. No, <laughs> but he was, he was here a long time. Obviously, a huge leg, came in clutch in a lot of situations. Um, and he's gone now. He's a San Francisco 49er, and, you know, I'm – Sure, he's gonna have a long. Yeah, he's gonna have a long career in the NFL, but uh, you know, Michigan's got a new guy transferred in from Louisville, where he played the last three seasons, I believe. Um, He is from Saline, Michigan, so he is uh, he is from the state. Played his high school ball here, grew up here. Um, And last year, not bad. You know, uh, uh, kicked ninety point nine percent on field goals, uh, twenty for twenty two. His longest was forty eight. Had 38 out of 39 extra points. I'm guessing one had to be blocked because I just can't imagine kickers missing extra points from the two um, without looking at it. But he was 11 for 11 from 20 to 29, 6 for 6 from 30 to 39, and then 3 for 5 between 40 and 49 yards. So it's a pretty good clip. You know, college college football, you know, we kind of saw it last night in that Florida-Utah game. The Florida kicker missed a, like a 32-yard field goal um, early in that game, and, you know, that's kind of what you want to avoid. Jake Moody was obviously automatic for from a lot of distances. Sounds like James Turner's going to have, uh, you know, less range than Moody did. I don't know if we're going to go out there and try a 58-yard field goal before half, per se. Um, but it sounds like we got an efficient guy that, you know, you can expect we have a good chance at making it, you know, from 50 and below. Which is huge. I agree with you. I, I, it's going to be tough to replace a, a Jake Moody just – consistent like you said just dude never miss and felt like he could kick anywhere on the field um but knowing that you know if we get stalled on the 30 or whatever it is 40 yard line put a line up a kick and still get three points out of it is not not like you said not all college teams can have that an sec school in florida doesn't have a freaking kicker you know so it's it's something that a lot of teams can overlook but uh We've been fortunate to have some pretty good kickers over the last five or six years. Saying Michigan's experienced those woes too in the past. Um, I mean, I felt like, like there for a while, Michigan was struggling to have a good kicker. So it's it's nice when you have one, and it's nice that we had Moody for as long as we did. But hopefully, James Turner can give us the production. Um, his longest career in college happened in 2020. Uh, it was just a 50-yard field goal. I'd imagine Michigan's going to try and stretch that range, especially early in the season, um, just to kind of see what they, they have. And, you know, they probably have an idea through practice and stuff, but, you know, you can't simulate game reps and kicking in front of 100-plus thousand people at the big house or, you know, in some of these other uh, very large Big Ten venues uh, that he's going to play at. Um, we'll see what he can do kind of with the pressure on him, right? So um, he's only one for three from 50-plus in his career. And we'll see if that gets pushed or not. He was, and for reference, he he was an 86.7% field goal kicker um, back in 2020. Struggled in 21 where he only kicked 63.6% from the field. Um, so hopefully that doesn't kind of trickle back down uh, this year. But, and like we said, 91% last year. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he does. And like, I'm like, uh, you'd have to think that they're going to probably test him a little bit in these first couple games if they uh, have the opportunity to. All right, so moving on to you know Michigan's matchup versus East Carolina University, the Pirates, the Purple Pirates. Um, obviously, last week we talked about Michigan will not have Jim Harbaugh. He will be uh, suspended for the first first three games, uh, self-imposed for some of the NCAA violations we've heard about all summer. Um, the new one that came out after we recorded last week was offensive coordinator Sharon Moore is also going to be suspended for the first game, uh, only the first game. Um, as well, uh, and that was also a self-imposed suspension by the University of Michigan. Um, so kind of just to fill you in where we're at, head coach will be Jesse Minter for game one. Um, Michigan's going to have a new head coach for each game. They're actually going to have four head coaches in the first three games, as I believe next week they are splitting uh, between Jay Harbaugh and Mike Hart. Um, so that'll be interesting. And then Sharon Moore will actually be the head coach in week three. But Jesse, Jesse Minter gets the head reins this week. Um, quarterback coach Kirk Campbell is going to call the plays. Um, 
You think Kirk tries to sling it around a little bit uh, more than, you know, maybe we have done? Or since he's, you know, the cute quarterback coach? Or what do you think we see there? <laughs> uh, I think we'll probably start balanced, and then we'll probably just start pounding the rock. Uh, but uh, I think I, I won't be surprised if there's a few shots for J.J. in the game for sure. Yeah, you'd have to think we want to test that, you know, early and often. Uh, especially in these games where you can get away with a little bit more. Again, I don't want to discredit opponents, but let's just look at it how it is. Uh, Michigan's going to be able to try some stuff, and if it doesn't work, they can fall back on what they do best, and they'll probably recover pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Not to mention, uh, ECU's lost uh, lost quite a few players last season, including their quarterback, so they're going to be a relatively new and young team coming into this game uh, tomorrow at the big house. Um, really, the thing you don't want to see from Michigan is just, you know, them being complacent. You still want to see them go out there, take care of business, uh, get out there for blood, and look like a team that's striving for a national championship uh, this season. So it's going to be hard, uh, kind of like the first couple games last year. Um, you know, there, I feel like you're, there's stuff you're going to be able to take away, but is there a ton you're going to be able to take away? Um, what What are you looking for in this game in particular, Jordan? What do you want to take? What do you want to see in this game? What do you kind of want to take away, feeling good about, and things like that? Well, I'm going to come from the perspective, I think, uh, to your point earlier in the, that you talked about, this game should be over at halftime, right? Um, if, if we do our jobs, it should be 35 nothing, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I, what I might take away, what I want to see is our depth. I want to see our twos play. I want to see our, I want to see Alex Orgy. I want to see our, I want to see Benjamin Hall. I want to see other, you know, some other side of the ball play with our new guys. Um, they kind of get them some game reps and see if, if people go down. Or, or whatever, maybe you're out for a play or two, whatever it is that we have the depth. So um, that's kind of my key into tomorrow because in fully anticipation of a Michigan dominant win. Um, if we don't come out and dominate this game, um, I'm not going to give them the excuse because Jim Harbaugh is not on the field as well as Sharon Moore. We are too talented of a football team and, and too good of a staff not to be overcome freaking Eastern Carolina who hasn't. You know, I've already seen people freaking out because, you know, this could be App State all over again. People don't realize that App State was actually a national champion that year. They were a phenomenal football team when we lost. Why do you uh, bring that up on the anniversary of it today? <laughs> Why I did, because I kept seeing it today. I know. Uh, so, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, East Carolina is not that is not that team. So I think we'll be just fine, and I want to see our depth play. So that's my Let's be my realistic. J.J. McCarthy should be able to go out there without any coaches on the sideline, call plays, and be successful in this game. Same with Junior Colson or Rod Moore on the defense. Whoever kind of calls the plays for the defense should be able to go out there and, you know, get us to a victory. Um, so, yeah, I agree. It doesn't – Jim Harbaugh, Sharon Moore not being there is no excuse. Take care of business. Beat the team. Beat them as you should, and we can move on to next week when they should do the same thing over again. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I want, I, I'm interested to see these backups or depth guys play. Um, I think we're probably going to see all four quarterbacks on this roster probably play. Uh, at some point you'd have to think they're all going to get a couple series. Um, you know, if the game goes as expected, um, interesting to see what Jack Tuttle can do a little bit. Uh, the grad transfer, um, <clears throat> uh, from Indiana. Uh, you know, cause he, you know, it might be orgy, it might be him, but you'd have to imagine, uh, Tuttle in the case of a McCarthy injury, if he were to have to miss the rest of a game or miss a couple weeks, uh, Tuttle's probably the guy they're throwing out there as a starter. And then, you know, maybe you get orgy in the, uh, quite a few more packages opposed to when JJ's going to be our starting guy. Um, but I want to see how Tuttle does. Uh, he had a good spring, um, from what we were told, um, or, you know, heard through the media and things like that. Um, so he's another guy I kind of want to see how he goes out there, takes care, take care of business and run this offense in the first couple of games. Oh, for sure. Because I do think we haven't, you know, we, we don't have a solidified number two yet from based on anything that I've seen. Um, so it's, I won't say it's up for grabs. Davis but Davis Warren is not that guy. <laughs> no, Davis Warren is not him. Jack Settle, like you mentioned, has the experience coming from Indiana. But to me, uh, if 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 things are going the way they should, it should be Alex Orgy as our number two quarterback. Yeah, you'd have to think. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I'm excited for tomorrow, exclusively on NBC Peacock streaming um, at <laughs> noon. Uh, but <laughs> it's on the cock. Uh, anyway, uh, 
but yeah, I'm excited to see it tomorrow. It's going to be good, you know, watch them run through the banner or, you know, run off the field under the banner, you know, hear the fight song and things like that. Always fun uh, just to see uh Michigan game back on the television. It'll be a couple weeks before we play some for- more formidable opponents, uh, but nonetheless, Michigan football is back. Um, before we get to, uh, before we close the show out, any week one games that kind of stand out to you? You're looking forward to watching anything like that uh, that stand out? Um, obviously, Minnesota-Nebraska played last night. Two teams on our schedule, both road games. Um, neither of them looked very impressive last night. Although, say, did you watch that game? Yikes. That Minnesota yeah. receiver who made the uh, touchdown that grab might be the catch of the year already as that footwork, that toe-drag swag, as Nate Burleson would put it, yeah, was, was phenomenal. It was. I Total respect to that. That's not a easy thing to uh, be able to do. And I, I, I actually thought he didn't catch it at the very beginning. I was like, nope, he didn't get his foot down. But I know, I thought so um, too. But man, he held that front leg up, and that was crazy. So, I mean, everything stayed the same as we thought last night. If we're just talking about like the two big games last night, Nebraska's allergic to winning. It doesn't matter who the head coach is. Um, and. Graham Mertz still sucks. Crazy. Don't know if Florida right. was thinking that he was going to be yeah, the answer this he's year. He's so good in Wisconsin. Yeah, he did so well over there. He, he threw for four touchdowns, whatever, in the COVID season and off his, at the Gets Illinois, and they thought My he was. My man Luke Fickle said, I'm coming in. We're going to pass the ball more. And said, Graham, I don't want to see your face again. Get off my campus. So yeah. that's yeah, where we're at. Um, anyway, but yeah, is there any games you're looking forward? I know that we have a couple games tonight. Obviously, a lot of the bigger yeah. games are tomorrow, Sunday, well, and one Monday. What this uh, team in East Lansing is going to be about? You know, I think you and I both have. I'll definitely be not, watching that game. They're not going to be awful, but I don't think they're going to be great either. I think they're going to be middle of the road. Uh, if they struggle with Central, it's going to be a long year. Um, but the, the the game that I I guess is the most exciting, in my opinion is the North Carolina-South Carolina game. I think uh, I love I love watching Drake May play. I think uh, Spencer Rattler is going to continue to improve. So that could be a high-scoring affair. I don't know how much defense will be played, but it'll just be a fun offensive game to watch. Yeah, I agree. Uh, for the games on Saturday, that's probably going to be the fun game to watch. Drake May, uh, for all intensive purposes, is quarterback two right now for next year's draft behind Caleb Williams. Um, I think Drake May is very impressive. Does he have the people around him for North Carolina to be uh, a sleeper in the ACC this year. We'll find out. Part of that we'll be watching them tomorrow as South Carolina, like you said, has a pretty good offense as well. Um, uh, going back to Michigan State really quick, I do agree. Um, I'll be watching that game tonight just to kind of see what's going on. Obviously, they have a question at quarterback. Will it be Kim? Will it be Hauser? Um, you know, how do they do against a central team that, you know, central – from what I've heard, has a pretty solid defense, or is supposed to have a pretty solid defense this year. Um, sounds like they have a question themselves at quarterback, and uh, that offense may struggle, especially early on, while they try to figure out who that quarterback is. So, is a game State should win. Uh, I would say State should win by a couple touchdowns, especially being at home. Um, but we we shall see. Uh, Michigan State has a lot of questions himself. I do expect Michigan State's defensive line to be better this year, which in turn should help the secondary a little bit, as long as they're not doing stupid things on scheme with their scheme like they kind of did last season. Um, but I do expect Michigan State to be, like you kind of said, middle of the road. I could see anywhere from 5-7 and seven to 7-5, seven and five, uh, just depending on how a couple games fall. So it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Um, two games that kind of stand out to me tomorrow, outside of that uh, North Carolina and South Carolina game. I want to see how Wisconsin does against Buffalo, just kind of with the new look offense under Luke Fickle. Sure. Um, also want to see how Iowa does. Uh, against Utah State. Now, definitely a game Iowa's going to win with their defense alone, but we saw the first couple games of Iowa last year. Couldn't even score an offensive touchdown against some of these opponents. Cade McNamara got hurt in practice earlier this week, I guess. He sure did. Sounds like he's going to play, but not 100%. So I'm interested to see... I want to see Cade McNamara in that offense, see how they do. Um, I'm also kind of interested to see what they look like without Cade McNamara and who's who's the backup behind them. As, As we know, McNamara's had some injury... Uh, history in the past uh, obviously you know transferring from Michigan so those are two big 10 teams I'm really interested in watching that should be kind of the top of the west division if all plays out as expected um the yeah. game of the week I'd have to say LSU and Florida State super excited for that game I think that'll be a a very back and forth football game uh on Sunday night oh that's right so you know what 
you, you, I didn't remember they were playing, Chad. That's that's a great game. Yep. That's right. They're playing on NFL Sunday because NFL yep. hasn't started yet. So I, I get the the overlook. Yeah, totally, totally missed it. But the other game that I, I don't know about you, you I mean I'm Northwestern watching. Rutgers isn't the game of the week. <laughs> the the last game that comes to mind for me is just because it's you can't not be see the hype and you can't not see it because it's who oh, is I know where this is going. I want to see the freaking Colorado freaking Buffaloes. Are they going to be able to compete with TCU and see what this whole crap train's about? So I think TCU's think... going to curb stomp it into oblivion. I you th- you think so? I, I think know, Colorado's man. not going to be good this year. I think Prime uh, is the long term answer there. They brought like sixty five transfers in. <laughs> yeah, I just crazy. don't see that meshing all in week one. Like that's a lot of turnover. Like that's crazy. It's and, so much. Yeah. And, and really, I mean. It's not like he got a bunch of like five star kids from a bunch of different places. True. Like these are kids that got to prove themselves still. Like he got a couple four stars and things like that. You know, you know, I'm not saying Colorado's gonna go winless this year, but I, I think it's you know, as much as I think Prime is gonna be good for Colorado and things like that, one, he's put a target on his back, kinda like Harbaugh did early on. Obviously a little different situation. Michigan much better school at the time. Um, but coaches didn't want to lose to Harbaugh. Nor do coaches want to lose the prime. He's got a target on his back because he came in there talking shit like he's done his whole career. That's fine. He could back it up on the field, obviously. Um, and he did well at Jacksonville State. Um, but this isn't Jacksonville State anymore. Um, I think he's going to have to take his medicine quite a few times this year, and I think it starts on uh, tomorrow at noon when TCU goes in there, and I think they will not have a problem in getting to a victory. Well, don't tell Coach Prime that because he thinks his son's going to be the Heisman Trophy winner. So. I, and I don't even know how to – like, I mean, he might be good. I don't know. I got to see him play, right? But, like, even if – let's say he's the stud quarterback, I still don't think they got the players around him to be, you know, that much of a threat, uh, at least this year. So, yeah. Uh, For sure. Oh, good. All that to say, man, it's, it's, it's great to, to have this conversation because that means tomorrow we got football to watch. So, and, oh, and tonight, so much so. football. And then we got the Battle of Miami tonight. Miami, Ohio said they're the real Miami. Um, earlier this week. So, <laughs> very interesting how that one goes. Go get them. Go get them. Yeah. Um, but that's going to wrap it up for this episode. So excited college football is back. I fell asleep watching football last night. It was awesome. Can't wait to watch more tonight. And then obviously Saturday uh, is going to have just about every game uh, in the nation playing or every school in the nation playing. And then a couple to finish off the week uh, weekend, Sunday and Monday, the holiday weekend. So, that's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can follow us on Spotify or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts by searching the Victors-Michigan Podcast. Uh, you can also subscribe to Between the Whistles of Detroit on YouTube to catch our podcast as well as the rest of your Detroit sports needs. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Catch us on our next episode when we'll kind of review this Eastern Carolina game and then look forward to our Week 2 matchup. Go Blue! Go Blue!